I should probably put a couple of disclaimers out there. One is, I never let the truth get in the way of a good story, and I'm certainly not going to allow anyone else to do so. Probably not a misfix-it, but I do play one on TV. I only want to hear the good stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. I only want to hear the good stuff. Welcome to the Backstory Perspective. We're going to sit down and listen to a few stories. I appreciate you taking the time to come and chat with me today. In part two of our day in the park, we hear Sean's story of his time in the Balkans. There's religious figures, princes, power struggles. I'll just let Sean tell you about it. So if if I don't if I don't reemerge soon, my wife yes. is probably going to protest. But yeah. I did. I, I've got I've got one story. So I've been planning to do stand up for years now. I have a file on my phone that probably translates to about twenty printed pages of bits. Like whenever something happens, I'm like, this would be funny, and and I like you know kind of like arrange it on my phone. But then of course I and I'll practice them. Like I practice stuff during morning huddles. You guys have all been kind of like guinea pigs for me from time to time, and we and have so morning I'll, huddles. I'll, I'll I'll practice. Well, not anymore. Now I'm a coordinator, so I don't nah. think I have them anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think my you're going to have to do this. Audience is gone. You might have to do this. Um, we'll have we'll have a meeting once a week just for me to try stand-up bits on people. Be like, there's no point to this. Just, what do you think about this story? But, um, so there's one story in particular that, uh, this wouldn't be a stand-up one because it's not, it's not primarily funny. But it's something that I've also thought about doing The Moth. And I've never had, the, never had the, the guts to actually get around to doing that either. But, so, when, when I went to, when I deployed, I deployed to the Balkans. So... Um, former Yugoslavia. So I, so I deployed to the Balkans, and I don't know how much you know about Balkan history. Most people don't know a whole lot, but during, um, so you know, real bad guy Slobodan Milosevic. Um, in order to kind of, he was a Serb, and in order to grab more power, I suppose he took some old, um, some old hurt feelings from a battle that had happened in the 1300s, I believe. I know the original one was in the 1100s at the field of Kosovo Pohe, where the armies of the Turkish sultan defeated the armies of a Serbian prince, Prince Lazar, who in the Serbian Orthodox religion is a saint at this point Um, and and very popular amongst militant Serbs. And so the the Turks won. uh, The sultan died. Prince Lazar died, but the Turks won. So the standard kind of Turkish subjugation was convert to Islam or your life's going to be even less pleasant. And so uh, the Albanians in that area generally converted. The Serbs generally did not. And so that was kind of the start of a rift that lingered for, you know, to still well still today. And so despite that, um, up until Slobodan Milosevic, the two ethnicities lived next to each other. They shared communities and things were more or less peaceful. And then when Milosevic, on the 200th anniversary of... 
the Battle of Kosovo Pohe, he stirred up tensions and a lot of violence came out. And so you had neighbors killing neighbors, right? And so it started out with Serbs attacking Albanians, killing Albanians. And then the Albanians rallied um, and organized a group called the Kosovo Liberation Army, which was as violent as the Serbs were. It was, it was brutal. And it was almost so bad that we, when, when America was trying to decide how to get involved, we almost labeled them a terrorist group and went after them because they, they were bad. But they were, you know, the other guy punched first, really. So um, we kind of sympathized with them a little bit more. Uh, and ultimately, we went in and, and we helped fight the Serbs and we helped uh, support, to an extent, the KLA. So as soon as the tide turned and the KLA had momentum, they returned the favor in, in terms of rape and murder and that sort of a thing. And so when we got to the Balkans, we had a province that we were responsible for. I was on a civil military operations team. And our job was, among other things, so we, we met... Uh, we met people who were in positions of power. We were supposed to kind of like coach them on how to not be douchebags in their positions of power. You know, like, listen, you know, yes, I know you hate the Serbs, but you are the mayor and there are Serbs here. So no, you can't just do bad things to them. That is not acceptable. You've got to represent them too. People have trouble understanding that. And, and bear in mind, I was there, you know, the violence had been over with for a decade. Well, maybe not quite, but um, around a decade. So, you know, they had a little bit of time to, to get over it. And when we got there, we had this province and we were responsible for, among other things, directing international aid. So a lot of international companies have money, international organizations, NGOs have money. They want to spend that money in certain ways. I want to help farmers. I want to help schools, whatever. And you would be the person who would find those, those outlets for them because they didn't want to send teams into what was still technically a combat zone. And so we went into this province and most of our area was pretty... Albanian. We didn't have a lot of Serbian enclaves. And the one main Serbian enclave we had had a mayor, a Serbian mayor, who was a real good dude. Uh, and so we got along pretty well there. But there was this one little town called Donja Badriga or Donja Badriga. I'm not sure which one's correct because I heard it pronounced both ways. And it was this little town. It was off a major road and it came off this major road and, and it kind of went toward the mountains. And when you first come off the road, there was the Serbian part of it. And then you, there was like a little section where there was nothing. And then the Albanian part of it. And this town had some pretty brutal fighting back and forth during the war. Um, the, the Serbs, you know, raped and murdered the Albanians. The Albanians returned the favor, as happened throughout the country. So when we first get to this town, we're on our little welcome to uh, Kosovo tour. And our interpreter, who welcome was a real... Welcome to Kosovo. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much, you know, it's like, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't eat the food there. Don't drink the coffee there and don't look at anybody in the eyes over here. That was kind of the, the orientation. And so we get into Doña Rodriga and my interpreter, who was a Macedonian, who we joked, he was a real big guy and he looked real, real happy and funny until he didn't. And when he didn't, you're like, that guy's got a darkness. Like he's killed people. You know, he has. And we used to joke that he was like a, a KLA hitman and he would just be like, oh, no, sir. And just kind of look at you. Like that. <laughs> yeah, he, he was. He totally was. So we go into this town, and um, we and he was usually pretty easy going. We went. We got into Doña Madriga, and it was me and this female E5 that worked for me. And he was like, "You got to be very careful in here because." He told me about a, a lieutenant a couple years earlier had gone in there and had taken down posters of Slobodan Milosevic. And next thing you know, there's like a mob, you know, sharpening pitchforks ready to kill this guy. And my terp 
told me that, well, he, he saved him by saying that the lieutenant was a big fan. And he just wanted to take these, these things home. And you don't have any police chasing you, do you? No. <laughs> you still telling the story? How, how long he was just, I gone? It was a long setup. <laughs> um, so, listen. You guys have talked to each I'm other before. I'm the story. Yeah. Right? He's, he's just, laying that. You can't just spit out the recording no. part, like Mark. a freaking Amishman, okay? I mean, <laughs> do it hand, like a modern handcrafted. builder would. There's, okay? no, there's no machinery Throw that involved. fucker up in a day and call it a night. <laughs> so, anyway, in this town, we, uh, we, we, we're in this town. He, they warn me that the Serbs here basically hate us. And there's a little church right right off the road in this town. And the priest there, Serbian Orthodox Church, the priest there was a man named Father Drago. And he looked like you would expect Father Drago to look. He was small. He had a very long, dark beard. He had eyes that looked like they went right through you. And he looked like he was the kind of guy who could order somebody disappeared if he was inclined to do so. And Father Drago ha pretended he didn't speak English, even though everybody knew he did. Uh, and he would not speak to Americans directly. He wouldn't even look at us. He just did not a fan. So me and my, uh, my E5, we went in this little town and there was a little school there. And we said, you know, we're going to make we're going to make a difference in this town. And my turbo was like, ha, 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 sure you are. Let's just get out of here. And so we decided that we were going to work out through the course of our deployment. We were going to try to have a med cap at this town. Now, a med cap is when all of the medical folks from the army, they come there. They've got dentists and doctors of all different varieties. And it's just like, come on in. We'll treat you. And they'll even do minor surgeries like they'll take, you know, vaccinations, um, health checkups, referrals to to. Um, you know, to come to American institutions, you know, within in country to get big treatments done. It's a pretty big deal. And a lot of these people don't have access to that treatment. But it's got to be something that Albanians and Serbs are both going to go to, especially if it's in a Serbian town. And and the powers that be were concerned that if we had it there, nobody would go because the Serbs hate us and the Albanians wouldn't want to go into the Serbian area to right. do it. So throughout the course of our time there, we, there were a couple Serbs that we knew that we had good relationships with. And so we kind of start worming our way into Father Drago's little circle. Um, we, we got him to meet with us at this, at this place. And this is over the course of several months, mind you. But there's this place called Sar Lazar. Sar uh, Lazar. After Prince Lazar. Yeah. Bear in mind, he was never a Sar of any sort. He was okay. a prince. And, and not even that important of one at the time until he became a martyr, basically. And so Sar Lazar was this little, it was this little restaurant and it was, you walk in there and if it wasn't for the electricity, you would believe you were in like 1300, like Constantinople, like time frame. Everything was very old, very smoky. And they had a pig farm out back. They literally just, it's like the lobster tank. At Red Lobster, except with pigs. <laughs> you pick your pig. And, you get to and it's pick like, your pork. You know, point at which part of him you want, and they'll they'll slice him up for you real quick. And so we met. We met. Uh, we had a couple rendezvous at Sar Lazar to meet with Father Drago. This uh, this all sounds very sinister, but ultimately we got him to agree to support this endeavor. And so we, we got him to agree, and then we had to, like, when we told the, the military people that they made the final decision, they were like, we want you to get him to agree again, just in case. And so we got him to agree again, just in case, and ultimately everything gets put together. And they, were, they wanted to do it the month after we left country. We were like, fuck no. Like, right. you will, like this shit's going to happen before we leave country, because this is going to be our swan song. We're doing this. So ultimately, we got all everything lined up. And we had uh, the little, the little tiny shitty Serbian school right inside of town. We uh, we had this event, 
And we spent a lot of time going to the Albanians who were a little bit past the Serbs who usually didn't go into the Serbian part of town and being like, guys, it'll be safe. We promise it'll be safe. We'll be there. We're, you know, you like us. We like you. We won't let the bad Serbs do anything. And then, of course, we were telling the Serbs, like, we told the Albanians to come. So if they come, don't kill them because, you know, we invited them. And ultimately, we have this event and huge turnout. And he, there's even a, at one point the, the Serbs. So there was this basketball court, really shitty basketball court. And the Serbs and the Albanian kids were just kind of like standing on opposite edges of it, just kind of looking at each other, daring one of them to like do something with the basketball, I guess. And ultimately, we had a couple of the younger soldiers go out there and started playing basketball and the Serbian Albanian kids joined in. And so me and my E5 went to this coffee shop that we had first gone to and, and we didn't order coffee there because it was we sat there but we didn't that's order coffee that's not the place to get coffee it was not a safe place so we okay. ordered coffee that time and we sat there with our turp and we watched because you could see the school you could see the line of people and you could see these kids playing basketball and that was our kind of like final like we did it we got yeah, this you got everybody Father to come Drago together to acquiesce he and he he made an appearance all he did was stand off in the corner and brood he didn't go <laughs> into the building, but he did stand there and make brooding an appearance. Father Drago. And when we saw Father Drago brooding, but with no violence and or ordering violence, and then the, the Albanian and the Serb kids playing basketball and sitting there drinking coffee served to us by a Serb who, in a town that didn't like American soldiers, we thought, you know, maybe there really is hope for the world if we can get Father Drago to agree to a medcap. In, uh, in Doña Madriga. So that's my feel-good story that requires a little setup, Mark, because sometimes you have to give background information. Just saying. So this is the backstory perspective, and if you don't give the backstory and the setup, you don't have any perspective. Sean, I want to thank you so much for your time. I'm going to yes. go I really appreciate my flock, but yes. I'll let you tell your story without my interruptions. Listen, I really, I really I, appreciate. I don't know you. if we have time. Well, you have time. <laughs> I mean, I hey, I want to, yeah. I want to see all you guys before you go. But are we gonna? Do we have this time for one more? This is what we're doing. I mean, like one, this is the quick one. part yeah, of we'll, this. We'll I mean, I'll not, show you how. Gonna, like, okay. I, mean, I have six kids, man. We don't yeah. disappear. Okay, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it right. takes a hot minute to get all that stuff yeah. organized. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much again. Hey, I really no appreciate it. And we'll we'll talk and we'll like figure out game plans for like other stuff and you know like future plan stuff, right? I want to thank Sean for sharing this story. I want to thank Mark for sharing his story. And I want to thank you for listening. Until next time, take care.